0: Hello and welcome back to We've Made It, brought to you by Gathered.how. I'm Sarah Orm. Zoe and I are very excited about the return of the Great British Sewing Bee this week, so we've put together a special bonus episode all about the show. We hope you enjoy it. Right, so the Sewing Bee is back. The Bee is back and we're going to have some chats about it. yeah. I think we've both been looking forward to, slash, anticipating, slash, slightly dreading this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, basically, when the sewing bee is on every year, it's almost like the whole of the UK, and well, not just the UK, actually, globally, everyone just goes nuts for sewing, which is actually amazing, but it can be quite an intense time if you work in sewing journalism.
0: <laughs> yes, which is a very small field. <laughs> specialist field. But yeah, it's, yes.
1: it's it's this time, isn't it, where suddenly you get this explosion every year of a load of people that you, they're watching the bee and they want to try and make those things at home.
0: Yeah. And I think in the last few years as well, Sewing Bee has just grown massively. I think it used to be a little bit of a niche program, but it's just become more and more popular. And I think people are more into their craft TV now.
1: Yeah. It's, it, I wonder, Was it, the, it can't have been the first craft tv program but i remember watching it from series one and i mean very much like the bake-off along the way it suddenly became a bit more
0: mainstream craft shows they definitely have grown because we've seen the pottery throwdown also grow yes and and of course there are new programs as well there's um all that glitters
1: yeah all that glitters grayson's art club's been really big this year past
0: couple of years yeah there's a new art one on channel four as well what's it called is it draws off Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> is it about sewing knickers or drawing? I That's a drawing it. one. So <laughs> I, th- I think art and craft, they've just become more popular. And then there's, of course, of course there's Kirsty Allsop with all of her programs as well.
1: There have. But I would say, and I, I mean, I love quite, I love pretty much any craft TV, but the Sewing Bee really for me is the ultimate. And it's on series seven now. So, you know, it had a, a year or two break, I think, when all the production issues were getting resolved. But yeah. I'm really excited. There's a new series coming.
0: Yeah, and of course they've managed to film it all in lockdown. So they do have a new venue as well. Oh. Uh-huh. From previous series, which we saw a bit of in the Christmas specials, which is it's called the Chain Store and it's at Trinity Boy Wharf, which is in London. And it's just opposite the O2 Arena. So yeah. it has like it has a prime location. Um, when I say O2 O2 Arena, some people might remember it. it's the Millennium Dome.
1: Is it um, like? Is, do you know if there's like sewing history in the area? Because wasn't the last series filmed? Previous series were filmed. Were they in the dock? No, not in the Docklands. Oh, I'm getting really incoherent now. Yeah, um, I love basically this the warehouse that they film it in, or the building they film it in is just so beautiful, isn't it? Like it's one of the. It's so aesthetically pleasing.
0: Yeah, and I think the new venue as well is also really nice it's really spacious and I suppose it has to be for social distancing reasons but yeah it's a lovely new venue
1: it'll be really interesting to see how they do the bits where like joe goes around to all the tables and talks to them if they're
0: socially distancing I mean I'm assuming that they will all have bubbled together oh of course yeah yeah that would make sense yeah so Zoe, you're a bit more of a sewing bee veteran than I am I think that's fair (laughs) to say I've only really properly watched it from the last series. Ah, okay. Um, Before then, I kind of dipped in and out of it and would just watch it if it was on. But I think you've been watching it for much longer than I have. So what do you think we can expect from the next series?
1: So I've been thinking about this and things that I want to see more of in the new series. Um, I want to see um, more of Joe Lycett's, like, crazy outfits... Like I wanna see spandex, I wanna see disco colours, clashing colours. I wanna see this might go on for a while, everyone, this segment. I wanna see more of Joe and Patrick flirting on Twitter, because there's always a little bit of that. That's quite uh, fun. Um Esme, I definitely want to see more. when we sometimes we get to see a glimpse of Esme. So basically she's got this really cool, she she learned, um, she studied at St. Martin's College and she teaches there. And sometimes you get to see these little snippets of sort of when she was younger and she founded this shop in camden called swanky modes so sometimes you just see these like shots of her looking really achingly hip on a motorbike or you know i just love that uh and i think uh, my predictions right so these are my predictions i think there'll be more of a more of the eco eco eco-friendly sewing themes that we've seen in the past couple of years yeah so refashioning and upcycling that kind of thing
0: yeah I think sustainability definitely is a much bigger issue than it used to be in sewing because I think we've talked about this a little bit before but the amount of carbon that you use when you're making fabric is quite significant and water as well so yeah sustainability is a really important theme and I really do think we're going to see more of that coming through
1: I do too. And it, it's sort of a theme that, I mean, Patrick Grant really champions outside of the sewing bee as well. Like he set up community clothing initiative and um, the sort of the many different issues around fast fashion and the negative impact it has on the environment. So I've really loved in, in recent series when they've done things like um, when they have the transformation challenge, they have to make stuff from this offcuts from their previous weeks, things like that. Um obviously they have the transformation challenge. So you just see these incredible garments that they're making from something that was pre-loved. So more of that. Um previously I would say, I don't know if you're listening, if you agree with this, but the contestants have got each year a bit more technically I feel like each year they're a bit more technically advanced. So it'll be interesting to see if the kind of techniques they cover, if if they really that if that trend continues.
0: Yeah. Are there any other trends that you think could come through? Or any other themes that we've seen before that could make a reappearance? It's not a trend, but
1: I noticed that last, I think it was last series, they did a thing where they made a dog coat. And like I think I feel like they get they've got a bit more I don't know if gimmicky's the word, but um the transformation challenges especially have been quite sort of they make them quite comedy or quite, you know, it'll be like make something out of uh a deck chair. So I feel like that's sort of quite a bit more quite, quirky. A bit more quirky with the transformation challenges. Yes, I don't think we'll see many boring ones. But although that's never boring anyway, um, I think we'll probably continue to see a really good mixture of different types of contestants from different backgrounds, which is lovely to see different people sewing and um, seeing men sewing. I don't have many. I do know people men that sew actually, but um, I really like that about the bee. Uh, Oh, trends. Oh, trends. I think they always do this, but I can see more of this this year. The influence of international design and sort of the different different cultural backgrounds to different outfits and fabrics. You always learn quite a lot of that when you're watching The Sewing Bee and I, I predict we'll see more of that this series.
0: Yeah, I have to say, oh, I always quite enjoy when they have to do like a vintage outfit. Yes. I just always think that's really fun. And they all have such a different take on it.
1: Vintage week. Do you know the one week that one year they did vintage week? And when I was working on writing up articles about it, even the photography that they showed was like done in the lighting of more vintage photography and the machines they were sewing on were old machines
0: and the patterns. Oh, that's amazing.
1: I think there will definitely be vintage week again.
0: Yeah. I think in terms of like vin- making something look vintage, it's just make the pictures look a bit more brown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Make everything look brown. Sewing <laughs> machines, the fabric. <laughs>
1: it reminds me of when there used to be a trend of having sepia cross-stitch patterns. So all the shades would be different browns. I don't know if you still get those. Anyway. Yeah, I think, and I mean, this a, a lot more, which we, we do see in previous series as well, of showing the user how to make clothes. So I think that's what the sewing bee does really well. Like um, they have those animated segments where the contestants, you know, at the pattern challenge, they'll all be making a pattern. And then you'll have a little segment where Joe sort of talks you through, here's how you would construct a blouse or a bra or, you know, and the way they do it makes it seem like, oh, yeah, I could sew 50 tiny bits of fabric together to make a bra. Like it makes sewing really accessible,
0: yeah, I think with a lot of these things, you watch as a sort of armchair expert, anyway. So you're watching. You're, it's it's the same when you're watching Bake Off or something. You're there going, "Oh, that bread isn't going to rise properly." Um, yeah, it's the same with sewing. But you're just like, "Oh, those hems look a bit uneven." I can't sew a hem very well, so who <laughs> I am know. I to judge?
1: And they do the foreshadowing in the editing, don't they? So you'll see like Patrick and Esme sort of going, "Oh, really? You've chosen a stretch fabric for this project." Why why have you done that? Just after Joe has said you shouldn't use a, you should definitely not use a stretch fabric if you're doing this. So you sort of know, you know, when they say that, you're like, watch out, ten minutes later, that person is going to be in trouble because
0: of their fabric choice. Yeah, there's certain words I think judges on these programs use, like, Oh, that's an interesting choice. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we know we know that means don't do it, and yet they still do. Or they'll say, Have you practiced this before at home?
1: Did this work and did it work? <laughs> <laughs>
0: I think it's a very polite way of saying, yeah, I don't think this is going to work.
1: Is it how, I was thinking about this, how wrong is it to say that something that you sort of look forward to about the series, you're rooting for the contestants, like you want them to, to do well, but when it goes wrong, it is a little bit like, is it wrong to say it's entertaining? Like it's not entertaining to see them in pain, but... You just can't not look. It's like car crash. Like you can see that they've sewn that piece on the wrong way and they've only got five minutes left.
0: Yeah, I think it is one of those things. I mean, I think we've talked about this before when we were talking about crafting disasters. It's not so much that you're necessarily laughing at them. It's almost like you're sad and it's sad and funny at the same time because on one level you're going, oh no, that's terrible. And on another level, you're thinking it's really funny. Yeah. (laughs) Which sounds evil, but... It is exactly what makes it entertaining. It's that kind of cringe factor of like, oh, I can't look, but it's interesting, so I'm gonna carry on watching.
1: Yeah, I actually feel it is almost quite groundbreaking that you have that experience that we all have as makers and crafters of of the drama of making us something that's not gone quite right. And they managed to capture that on screen and make it and you know, make mainstream television out of it. It's lovely to see this thing that we've all experienced be on everyone's TV screens across the country or laptops or mobile phones
0: yeah I mean especially if you've made the same mistake before and you're watching it going oh I can see where this is going
1: yeah because also the obviously the main difference is at home we would have time to unpick like the time limits that they have can be really quite quite challenging even if it went they obviously set it so that even if you sewed every piece right first time you could just squeeze it in
0: yeah well that's the real test of how good you are, I guess. That's why those people are on it and I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> have
1: you noticed when the ones the ones you have watched, there's always one contestant that has smugly finished like 10 minutes before the end?
0: Yeah, they're just there with a cup of tea. Yeah,
1: maybe offering a bit of advice to the others.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's always one. And I have to say as well, I do always, I know it's bad, but I do tend to pick a favourite early on and then I'm rooting for that person. Yeah, definitely doesn't take long for like someone to emerge that you really want to see it through to the end. Yeah. But it's also, it tends to be somebody who's not necessarily the best because if they make it look too easy, then I don't really root for them as much.
1: Yeah, I know what you mean. And also I really like it when there are contestants who have a really distinctive style that fits their personality. I love to see that. It's, you know, some of the previous contestants, just everything they sew, it's like they're sewing themselves into it. It's lovely.
0: Yeah. And on that note, should we talk a little bit about previous contestants? Yeah. Yeah. So I did a little bit of research because I wanted to see what some of the past winners have been doing. So to catch you up on some of them. So Claire Bradley was last year's winner. And you should really follow her on Instagram if you don't already, because her vintage fashion pictures are just amazing. But one thing she's been doing recently is challenging herself to make, um, to follow 1941 clothes rationing so that she can basically learn to be more sustainable. That's amazing. Or learn, you know, and make things the way that they would have made them back then, which I think is really interesting. I don't even
1: think I knew that there was clothes rationing. I knew about food rationing.
0: Yeah, there was there was clothes rationing, and you were only allowed certain amounts of fabric. That's why the style of the clothes changed quite radically in the nineteen forties because you had to make clothes that used minimal fabric because it was so rationed.
1: Oh, that's so a good
0: fact. That that is why the fashion of the nineteen forties is so different. Is because people were constrained by what was available. I suppose you're stuck. You're stuck either with what you can get on your fabric ration or what you can reuse.
1: She she always used to make the most beautiful garments with with vintage inspiration, didn't she? Really stunning. Yeah,
0: yeah. Her stuff is really lovely. Um, and of course, she is still working as a doctor. She's still doing that as her job. <laughs> Some people are too talented. Yeah, she's up. She's very very talented. Um, another contestant, Juliet from twenty nineteen. Yes. Yeah. So she's still designing patterns. Mm-hmm. So good for her. One thing she's actually doing, which is is quite good is that she's sharing loads of sewing tutorials and tips on YouTube and Instagram she's got a really good YouTube channel so if you wanted to do say if you're a beginner and you wanted to learn the skills you could go there and she's got a whole series of videos that will teach you how to do different things. Is she is it so so natural? Yeah that's the one I think and she also has her own craft podcast as well called Does Uncut. She?
1: Yes. Oh I have to listen to that after we finish recording this.
0: Another person who is, yeah, super, super talented. And
1: of course, I think,
0: yeah, I definitely want to listen to that podcast as well.
1: We should put a link to that in the notes.
0: Yes, yeah, we will do. Uh, who else? So there was a bit of a gap, as we've discussed, between series four and series five. So it jumped from 2016 to 2019. There was a bit of a break there. There was Charlotte. Yes,
1: yeah, so Charlotte, I thought of her as basically my spirit animal of another human being. She was, yeah. I don't know, I just loved her.
0: Yeah, she's still active on Instagram. So she, she's actually a bit of a multi-crafter, which I think you probably can quite relate to. Mm. So she does quilting, she does knitting, she does sewing, and she sells some of her patterns as well. So Charlotte Newland, she was the winner in 2016, and she was a science editor. So another person with a really interesting background. So Juliet was actually a primary school teacher, Yeah, I really love the diversity of the people that they get on it, like the mixtures of backgrounds. It's really interesting.
1: I know. And Juliet was one of my all time favourite contestants because, well, for many reasons, but she made, I think it might be my most favourite ever outfit on the Sewing Bee, which is when she turned some neck curtains into a dress. And it was literally so beautiful. Just incredible. She was so talented. And stylish. I
0: want her style. Yeah, so she does have lots of tips for styling your clothes as well. So like changing them to make them more fashionable and personalising them. So she's a really good person to follow for that kind of thing. Yeah, a few others. It's a bit harder to find information on the earlier contestants. Um, but Series 3 winner Matt Chappell, he has yeah. been sewing since the age of 16. He's an army veteran. He wrote a book called Make It, Own It, Love It. Yes, which I guess is probably another good, a good call for beginners to try, because mm-hmm. it will give you everything you know. Um, who else have we got? Heather Jacks, who won Series Two. She was a dressage trainer, <laughs> so another, another very unusual profession. And she designed her own fabric range for the Craft Cotton Company, and she's been doing a bit of teaching as well. So that's nice. It's so
1: incredible the things they go on to do, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I think. Anne Rowley, who won Series 1, she was in her 70s, I think, and she just carried on as a home sewer. It was her hobby. She didn't need to do anything else. She's just enjoying it for what it is. I love that. I
1: don't want fame or a YouTube channel. I just want to sew stuff. my.
0: Yeah. Well, I think the first series was very low-key as well, so there wasn't really any expectation that the person who won would go on to do write a book or have their own company or anything like that
1: although obviously they had Tilly who then founded Tilly and the buttons I think it was series one and she at the time she just started a blog or she had done this blog that was successful and you know now now that's one of the most recognizable sewing brands out there in the UK
0: yeah yeah and I think we we are hoping to get her on the podcast at some point yes that would be amazing yes yeah I think a few of these people we would try to get at some point so watch this space <laughs>
1: Um what about other things when you so when you watched the last series, what were some of the things you enjoyed about it?
0: Um, I think what I really like is just seeing how the contestants progress mm. because I think I think that's always an enjoyable thing when you see somebody and they are pushing themselves and being pushed by the challenges and you actually see them progress and improve as they go along. I mean some people they go in and they're already amazing, yeah, but for what I really enjoy are basically the ones who have a bit of a story where they start off being good and then they become amazing yeah definitely that's always what I love and I have to say I did particularly enjoy the dog coats (laughs) in that was in the Christmas episodes oh
1: they did it in the okay yeah they did it in last series as well it's quite
0: funny yeah it's just it's one of those things like it can be done so many different ways and it can be quite funny
1: I think they did oh, they've had so many amazing such transformation challenges I really liked I think it was quite a few years ago now but they did one with sari saris and the fabric for saris and that was you know inc- incredibly beautiful detailed fabrics and they would make things out of those but obviously also with the transformation challenge sometimes it quite varies doesn't it what they come up with yeah you know it shows the different side of your brain like in real life you have people with different skills and some of them will be amazing pattern cutters but when when just faced with the task of creating an item of clothing from scratch it completely throws you but i think one of the most famous people that really excelled in that was chanelo bailey when she, it was her series and she just used to knock everyone out of the park she was like here is this ridiculously stylish outfit i have refashioned in 20 minutes
0: Yeah. Some people just have a knack for it, I think. Well, I mean, obviously it's based on years of experience and knowing what you're doing and expertise, but some people have a flair for it.
1: Which do you think you are? Are you a a pattern follower or a make your own path? I think I'm a follower.
0: I think I'm a follower, at least when it comes to sewing. Yes. Uh, Mainly because I'm quite a novice sewer. I'm not very brave. Yeah. If
1: ever I experiment with changing a pattern, and I tend to do home sewing rather than dressmaking at the moment, but it just goes really wrong. Like I made a beanbag recently and I was like, oh, this looks at the wrong dimensions.
0: I'm going to make it bigger.
1: And it's huge and it's for my tiny daughter.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Surely that's the comedy value. That's the comedy (laughs) value, though, of a tiny person on a huge cushion.
1: (laughs) It does. But all the times like that, they just reinforce for me that don't go rogue, just follow the pattern. You do not know what you're doing. Just follow the plan. So I would be rubbish in the transformation challenge. I think I'd fall to pieces.
0: Yeah, I think I would also struggle with that one. But it did remind me actually of when I was at Brownies when I was younger and they challenged us to make fashion outfits out of bin bags. Ooh. Um, And then we had like a fashion show with our bin bag outfits and the local paper came. (laughs) Oh. And took our pictures. Not
1: mine because mine wasn't very good, but... I am beyond sad that there isn't a picture in existence of you with your challenge that was taken for the local paper. I want to see that.
0: Yeah, I. it was a very strange thing. <laughs> Amazing. If you find pictures, send me them, please. Yeah, I don't think pictures
1: exist of that. Oh, wow, well, maybe they do. Maybe I'll research local Cornish papers in the early 80s.
0: <laughs> I'd be very surprised if you found it. Challenge accepted. Um, so speaking of challenges,
1: we do know a little bit about what to expect from the first episode. So we haven't seen it yet, but should we have a, a little chat through what we know we're going to have yes. on our screen? Yes. So Zoe, tell me what's coming. So the BBC have revealed, so if you're listening, we're not quite sure when this is going to air yet, but we're expecting the first episode to go on air on the 14th of April. And the first pattern challenge is going to be Creating a shell top, which is like a classic sleeveless blouse, they quite often go blouse early on.
0: Yeah, actually, so this is a theme. It's it's a good test, I think, at the beginning because it's it's one of those things that sounds simple, but yeah, is maybe harder than it looks.
1: It's a good introduction to sort of making clothes, isn't it? Because there'll be you know, you sort of, as I said, covered that sort of sense of watching the make a pattern with different parts and inserting sleeves and buttonholes and all these bits that people find a bit fiddly at home so that's the first what else are they doing then the transformation challenge which I'm pretty excited about it's going to be they're turning old t-shirts into completely new garments for any age
0: or gender that's a classic so a t-shirt refashion and t-shirt fabric is quite tricky yeah I was just going to say we've got quite a lot of refashioning type projects on the website so if you do watch it and you feel inspired then go and have a look because there's lots of Fun ways you can remake your clothes
1: yeah and I think that refashioning is so interesting because I don't know about you but I always have various bits of clothing that either I've outgrown or I don't wear anymore but maybe I'll still like the fabric so many different things you can do with t-shirts I wonder if they'll be like giant t-shirts or kids
0: t-shirts I imagine they'll be really big ones yeah it would be quite mean to give them tiny ones Just say, do what you can with these teeny tiny
1: (laughs) toddler t-shirt. I wonder, I'm just trying to wonder what you and I would make out of a t-shirt if we were on the Transformation Challenge.
0: Yeah, I don't know.
1: T-shirt, mini skirt. (laughs) Mini skirt would be amazing. I think I'd be one of those people that does a really lame refashion, like I would just cut the sleeves off and make it into a tank top.
0: (laughs) That's what I was kind of thinking with the mini skirt. (laughs) It's like, it's basically a tube. (laughs) Oh, what about like a tube top? That would be fun. Oh, what like the bandeau type ones that we used to yeah. wear, in the early noughties? with like a bow on that? Because Esme loves a bow. It's well, well established that she loves a bow. I saw somebody wearing one of those last year, and I just thought to myself, they're coming back, the bandeau top. And they're really—they're not very kind to those of us of certain chest
1: sizes. Like it's all you need—you need to have a certain body shape to pull them off. I think they're not very kind for most
0: people, <laughs> <laughs> if we're being honest. So it will be really interesting to see if these—if any of these ideas are used. <laughs> On screen, I think if they did a mini skirt, as I suggested, they'd probably think that was too easy to mark them down. Well, yeah, they like it to look completely
1: different, don't they? The more bonkers it looks, the better that I've noticed, the better received it is by Esme. Ah, interesting. And what was the third one? So made to measure, they're going
0: to make, right, a well-fitting buffet dress. Oh, nice. That sounds 1950s. I don't actually know what a, bu- a buffet dress. What a buffet dress? It's a dress I wear to my buffet. <laughs>
1: It's probably something quite fantastic, though, because that made-to-measure challenge, it's always quite a, like, high-fashion impact round, isn't it? Like, they always... The models look so ridiculous. Like, I get quite a... It's almost like a thrill of excitement when, you know, they and they have the lovely music playing and they do the little cat catwalk.
0: Yeah, it's a bit of a... I love a, like... I love a reveal moment, yes. which it very much is.
1: And they just have these, this beautiful, like the way they record all the details of their sewing. It's a real sort of love affair with dressmaking that last round. And then you get to see the bit where the judges pick it to part, pick it apart like hawks. I know. <laughs>
0: it's, it's so merciless, isn't it? Oh, what's that? Have you missed one stitch on the top stitching, you know, that no one would have spotted? It does seem really cruel in some ways because you know they've had so little time to do it. And you're just like, you're picking them up on things that obviously you would do properly if you had time. But
1: I know. I think Esme seems to enjoy it. I wonder if, I always wonder if they sort of say to them beforehand, I'm really sorry for what I'm about to say, you know, <laughs> or maybe they don't.
0: I don't know. Maybe they don't. Hmm. No.
1: Things we wish we knew. Things we do not know about behind the scenes on The Sewing Bee. Maybe we will find
0: out. Yes, one day. So I think that's a nice place to wrap this up. So Zoe, what is your project of the week?
1: My project of the week is something... So me and Sarah may have mentioned we work on gathered.how, a craft website. And this week we had this uh, team day where we all made something on the website. So that is my project of the week. I am knitting my first pair of slippers. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, we've got a knitting slipper pattern. It was first featured in Simply Knitting. And I wanted to do like a beginner knitting pattern um, because I've just recently got into knitting since we did our podcast about mental health and craft and rediscovered it and I wanted to like learn a few more like skills so not just how to cast on and do stocking stitch but how to shape it a little bit and tentatively make something that I'll wear and I have really cold feet so I'm knitting some slippers and you can find the pattern on
0: gathered yeah but you may be waiting until the winter to Wear them. Finally wear them.
1: (laughs) Well, uh, time will tell how they look when they're finished or if they'll fit my feet, but uh, it's going quite well apart from that, the sewing them up bit.
0: (laughs) Uh, What about you? What's your project of the week? So my project of the week is actually also from our testing day. It is Spring Embroidery Hoop, which is by Jessie Doty, and it was originally in Love Embroidery magazine. It's just a really pretty hoop with a little motif in the middle saying hello spring and then it's got a circle of flowers and leaves around it and i'd say it is quite a good one for beginners because you can learn a lot of different stitches as you're doing it Mm. so it's almost like you can tick them off like i'm learning how to do back stitch and then i learned how to do whipped back whipped back stitch And then I did satin stitch. So it's like you're working through each stitch and learning how to do it, which is really good. And it looks really pretty. How did you find it? Because is it your first embroidery? It's only, I think, the second time I've embroidered anything. So I had forgotten a lot of how to do the stitches. I had to look it up again to remind myself how to do it. But yeah, it's quite a nice learning process. It's not a quick thing to do, but... I think that makes it more enjoyable in a lot of ways.
1: Yeah, the the benefits of slow stitching. It's a very soothing
0: activity. Yeah, very calming. And so what is your one good thing this week? So my one good thing this week is, I'm not sure we've touched on this before.
1: It's video gaming. So um, at the time of recording, there's currently an Animal Crossing update where you can do Easter egg hunts. And so I've been hunting for Easter eggs on my Animal Crossing island. Yeah. Oh. (laughs) It's been really fun and my daughter's into it as well. So uh, yeah, that's my one good thing. I just found it really pleasing.
0: Yeah. What about you? My one is another TV recommendation. It's I've really got into watching Call My Agent on Netflix. Okay. So it's a French TV show, which is all about the agents of celebrities and their their work and their personal lives. So a lot of it is around this agency in Paris and all the things that the agents have to do to get their celebrities work. And sometimes they're like they're temperamental and they have to try and pander to them, or they've got to negotiate for people to get certain parts in in films. Some of it is a little bit ridiculous. Like in the first I think it's the first episode the guy who runs the agency dies because he swallowed a bee. <laughs> so so sometimes it goes a bit surreal but it's mostly quite light-hearted.
1: Oh, is it it's a drama not an actual documentary.
0: Yes, it's a drama. So <laughs> I was like, wow, he died on screen. No, they didn't show it. They were just like, oh, he's dead and he swallowed a bee. That's one of my biggest fears. Yeah. And the other thing is like all the staff are having affairs with each other. It's it's quite funny, um, and I think you also learn a lot of French words from it, <laughs> particularly swear words, which I will not repeat here in case we've got any French listeners.
1: Okay, well, I always do like your TV recommendations, so I'm going to check this out.
0: Yeah, as it's one with subtitles though, unless your French is really good, you're not going to be able to craft while you're watching it, I'm afraid. So you can't sew your embroidery hoop while it's on? Nope, you've got to be reading it. My French is not that good, so...
1: <laughs> Okay, I'm definitely going to check that out. Thank you.
0: Yeah, so we're going to be back soon with hopefully some more sewing-themed episodes and then we'll have a bit of a break before the new series. Yeah, so thank you for listening. Yes, we hope you've enjoyed it. We hope you enjoy Sewing Bee. See you soon. Bye. Bye. thanks for listening we hope you've enjoyed this episode and if you're a fan of the sewing bee we'd really love to hear from you you can share your thoughts with us on facebook twitter and instagram just search for gathered and don't forget if you're looking for a new craft project to make you can find loads of free patterns and free tutorials over on our website gathered.how